Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, David Heflin giving Christian hope to those struggling with chronic pain. And so the Bible is, is very clear that good can, can come in suffering. Not that suffering is good, but that good can come in it. And so Romans 5, 1 through 5 is one I often think about because I don't want my suffering and pain to be wasted. I want it to count for something. And I feel like I believe that God is the one who makes it count. David Heflin, next. It may seem hard to believe, but around one-fifth of adults in the U.S. live with chronic pain. Some suffer and feel alone as if no one understands. Well, today's guest understands David Heflin lives with chronic pain, and he started a ministry to strengthen and encourage fellow sufferers. The ministry is called Broken and Mended. David is preaching minister at the Woodward Church of Christ in Oklahoma. David, would you first tell us about your story with chronic pain, when it began, and how it developed? Yeah, yeah, I'd be glad to. Uh, you know, I kind of started in 2011 for me. I was trying to get active again in my life and was in martial arts and also uh, training for a 10K and uh, in the process of doing some kicks and taekwondo. I this I was living in eastern New Mexico at the time, but anyway, so I was at a different church, but I uh, ended up injuring my hips and I in, injured both of them. Mm. And I really thought at the time I was just I was just inflexible and I hadn't worked out for a long time and that was what the problem was, but it never got better. It never even got better after rest and I ended up at an orthopedic surgeon and you know they were able finally to and this is over many months before we got to this point but to diagnose it as uh you know hip impingement issues and torn labral and all that and so it was going to require surgery to fix and I was hopeful that was going to be the end of this. I'd have the surgery, I'd do my rehab, be moving on. Uh, but as he's looking at the x-rays, uh, he seemed concerned, the orthopedic surgeon did, and he mentioned the word ankylosing spondylitis. And mm. I didn't know what that was at the time. I think I'd heard of it, but I didn't know anything about it. And I still thought, well, that's fine, but give me the surgery and I'll be fine. And uh, But it didn't really work out that way. So this was kind of the underlying cause to why I hurt my hips. And I ended up uh, with a rheumatologist you know, several months after the surgery, and she did diagnose me with ankylosing spondylitis, which is an inflammatory arthritic autoimmune disease, and it causes inflammation in healthy joints and tissues throughout the body, particularly lower back, and certainly affect the hips, as it did in my case. Uh, untreated, it will fuse joints, and it will start with your spine and, uh, and work its way up, and also hips and other large joints like that. Uh, so I immediately had to start getting treatment for that, of course. And maybe one silver lining in that was because I injured my hips, we discovered that we discovered it pretty early in the process. Uh, sometimes it can take years to get a diagnosis for ankylosing spondylitis and other similar, you know, type diseases. Uh, but that was in 2012 when I got diagnosed. In 2013, I was also diagnosed with Crohn's. Uh, through some other complications and concerns, I ended up at the Mayo Clinic in uh, Minnesota uh, in 2013. Um, but things after that kind of settled in a little bit, and and really the next phase of struggling was 2015 and 16, and this is kind of where the seed for Broken and Mended came from, because things got bad enough at that time, not so much with the Crohn's, but with the arthritic side of things that, uh, you know, I was having a hard time getting through my day, uh, because that's, as a minister, I had to sit a lot, and, mm -hmm. you know, obviously any kind of travel was becoming difficult. 
all I could think about all day was getting home and being able to lie on my side, uh, you know, and so things became bad enough that I, you know, sought out a pain management doctor and they started doing radio ablation or, uh, which is just fancy word for nerve burning as I understand it anyway. Mm. And so that didn't bring the relief I'd hoped, at least not to the degree that I'd hoped. And, and then I was facing yet another hip surgery. So I really began to struggle with my, um, just mental health and depression at that time. And began to look for some kind of support out there, particularly from a Christian perspective, because I wasn't interested in just talking about a disease all the time or pain all the time. I really wanted something that could help uh, encourage or inspire or, you know, uh, enable, you know, in some way for me to, to live with this as a disciple of Jesus. And I found very little out there for that. And because of that, I just, you know, began to... Um, well, I preached a sermon, and I had, and I told my story. My sermon. This is again in New Mexico, and mm-hmm. and we had um, you know five different people respond to that invitation. We do a traditional invitation, and and I, and I was one of them. So got to count myself in that. But four others that came up at the same time asking for prayers of people dealing with chronic pain and chronic illness, and I realized I wasn't alone, and that there was this need out there. And so that was really the seed for Broken and Mended. It didn't really get started until 2018 because I moved to Woodward, Oklahoma in that in that time period. Uh, but that's a little bit about my story. You know, I mean, I've had my ups and downs since then. Uh, sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's worse. Right now it's a little bit better. In those times, I've, I try to embrace it and, and live life a little bit more fully than I maybe can when I'm when I'm hurting real bad. And so but that's that's mm. that's basically what led to the genesis of broken and mended. Okay, and I want to talk to you specifically about the ministry and how it encourages people, but just a little bit more about your story. Talk about the effect on your life, on your ministry. As you said, you were very active. You're a minister. Uh, You uh, traveled. You've been on mission trips. Uh, Talk about that. I mean, this kind of chronic pain, people often, I I think, that have it, they might outwardly look robust and healthy to to people that just Mm. look on. It's something that's sort of beneath the surface, and it has all of these consequences. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, a lot of times people will call that an invisible illness. And, you know, obviously there are other types of diseases that are not, and they can be just as devastating. But I do think sometimes people make assumptions when they don't see, you know, is anything that's wrong with you. It could be something as small as, hey, we're going to help so-and-so move today. And, you know, everyone's going to be there. And they just assume that you're you're healthy because you look it and you feel like if I do that, I'm going to pay a really terrible consequence for that. And mm-hmm. so then you feel this, this tension in yourself, whether, and, and sometimes you just physically can't and it resolves the tension, but still might be difficult if you start worrying a lot about what people think. I think early on, I worried more about what people thought than I do now. I think now I figure if they believe me, um, that's great. If they don't, it's not really nothing. It's not something I can control. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I do think you're right. The consequences are sweeping. Uh, I think the biggest place I felt it early on, other than just the, the physical suffering was in the financial uh, area of life. I mean, we did not have good insurance. I was healthy. We got one of those insurance. Uh, we didn't have any kind of group insurance as a minister there. And so we got one of those insurance plans that was basically what the healthy person gets in the family. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, I was having all kinds of tests and surgeries and everything. And I mean, it was, it was financially devastating. Uh, you know, beyond that uh, active lifestyle I was pursuing, I, you know, I had to give it up. I mean, I had to give up the, the Taekwondo. I couldn't pivot on my hips and um, I, I had to give up the running and I was never really, uh, the running was trying to get me into shape and, but still, you know, everything I had accomplished or physically and lost weight and all that, that I was doing well with, I, you know, that changed as well. 
I think too the amount of energy that you have to devote to your uh, to your spouse and to your kids, and that can be a that can be a greatly diminishing resource when you're struggling with chronic illness. If all you're doing is thinking about I can't wait to get home and lie on the couch because you've been hurting all day, and then there's also the emotional and mental struggle there too. Uh, kids want to go out and play ball, you know, uh, want to have a day night with your wife, you know, whatever it might be. All these things are affected in the family dynamics, not to mention, you know, going out with others and, and other friends and and so for single people, it might be their social life. It takes a, a bigger hit. And for mm-hmm. people that have a family, certainly their family life. And you have to work on gaining communication and understanding within the family because, Sometimes they're still let down, even though you don't, even though it's not your fault. And so you, you struggle. I, I struggled, I should say, certainly with mm-hmm. the so associated guilt with that and learning to and learning how to handle that. Uh, and, of course, the travel and everything. I mean, I, I took a trip to Shanghai in 2015 and it was one of the most miserable experiences of my life. Not the not in Shanghai, but the the trip over and the trip back. You know, it was it was so costly. And I used to go on mission trips much more frequently than I do. And so, yeah, travel is one of those things that take a hit. So there's just hardly a sector of life that it doesn't impact in some way. Well, my guest today is David Heflin. He is preaching minister at the Woodward Church of Christ in Woodward, Oklahoma. We're talking about a ministry that he started uh, several years ago called Broken and Mended. He is telling us his uh, experiences with chronic pain, with a chronic pain illness, which was diagnosed a number of years ago now. Well, uh, David, you started the Broken and Mended ministry, as I understand it. It was it was before the pandemic. So can, can you talk about what it was? It was kind of had essentially just a basically a local uh, expression is that right? That's right. Yeah. So early on, I, I mean, I had an idea that it might be more than that at some point, but early on, that's all that it was. It was through our local church in our local community. And in 2018, you know, formed a started with a Facebook group, and I had a blog at the time that I kind of transformed into uh, an early website, a broken and mended. Uh, you know, as just to get started with something. Uh, so I could blog some, and the Facebook group was a place of interaction. But the the main thing was the support group that we started here in Woodward. Uh, and the very first meeting we had, it was just this amazing, affirming experience and emotional experience. I mean, people people were crying. People were saying, "I've you know never been with other people that can relate or understand uh, what I'm going through." And you know, I, you know, I shared my story that night. But in subsequent weeks, you know, we had other people that would share their story. And I, I found that to be one of the more powerful things of what we do is because when a person shares their story, it it's something in them that's been needing to get out and get, to get out into ears that that can understand and comprehend what they're going through. And so it's just a powerful experience for everyone. But as we did that, we began to develop some, you know, each, each time we'd have a topic of some sort, you know, that related to faith and chronic illness and kind of how those work together. And so in doing that, uh, began to develop a curriculum. I don't know if I envisioned it as a curriculum at the time, but it, that's what it would later would become, uh, you know, as we began to pull these sessions together. Uh, and we incorporated in 2021 and kind of the first thing we did as a corporation, as a nonprofit, was to uh, pull those into two different books. Uh, they're, they're related, you know, one's a leader's guide for a group leader, the other's the participant's guide for obviously for just the regular group members. Uh, but then with that, I wanted to let other people know that this was available if they were, you know, 
you know, willing to start a group or have a group in their location. Uh, but you mentioned the pandemic, you know, that really slowed us down in terms of growth. But I would say it also accelerated our use of, as it did for everyone, of, of virtual spaces. And we were using Zoom already, but I think the use of it became much more frequent for our group members afterwards because everyone just learned to to use that kind of stuff or not everyone, but almost everyone. And it made a big difference and it kind of spread our reach geographically as well. We would have people out in Hawaii all the way to the East coast hmm. and, and people that were participating sometimes after the fact, cause we would record the meetings and broadcast it to our group. Uh, so sometimes people were participating in that, like in uh, England, for example. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how the pandemic impacted us. It slowed us down in terms of the local support groups, but grew us kind of geographically in, in, in virtual spaces. And is the correct way to uh, refer to these kind of illnesses, David, is chronic illness or chronic pain illness? Um, well, I use both terms. I, I mean, I often will – I probably use chronic illness more because it's a little bit more of an all-encompassing you know, term, but I do know that there are people out there that have some kind of injury, uh, or mm. maybe they had a, uh, even a medical injury of some kind, you know, that happened, uh, through a surgery and they develop chronic pain that might not technically be an illness. And so I, I kind of use them interchangeably, but I kind of consciously try to use both just so I'm not leaving anyone out because we have people that have all kinds of different experiences. Some of them have the autoimmune diseases like myself and, uh, others have, you know, they were in a car wreck or, or they gave birth for some reason and something happened. And I mean, it, it could just be any number of things that lead to people having debilitating pain and it, it just doesn't resolve. And they begin to, and that begins to lead to isolation, that social isolation I alluded to earlier. And how do you define uh, chronic pain? I mean, chronic means, of course, it has to contrib- continue for some length of time without being resolved. Yeah, so the you know the technical definition of that is for ninety days, mm. but I I, you know, I think there are other differentiations. Uh, you know, I think I think there's something. I think one of the categories is high impact chronic pain, and that's looking for a type of chronic pain that is really affecting the quality of life. And I'll just add another term to it, really kind of unresolved, you know, because I would have fit the definition for chronic pain when I first hurt my hips after 90 days. But if it would have resolved at the end of the surgery, well, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And, and you know, and so when you have this chronic pain go on and it doesn't resolve, it's it's almost a different level than just, you know, a, a season of chronic pain, if you will, where it becomes this uh, sometimes a lifelong str- struggle. And do you have an idea, and it seems like I've read it somewhere, maybe in your blog or something you've written, of the percentage of those in the United States that actually surprisingly struggle or, or are afflicted in this way? Well, and and I need a, a more detailed analysis of it, but I do know that it's over 20% of hmm. people in a given year will struggle with chronic pain, and that would fit that minimal uh, definition. I don't know how many that that it goes on beyond that, you know, but I know it, I know it's very high. And one of the reasons I know it is because from my work and, you know, preaching and pastoral ministry, I recognize that, uh, you know, a lot of times people will drop out of church. And, and before I had chronic pain and chronic illness, I might've thought, well, you know, they're, you know, they're just drifting away. They're, you know, they're not, not being faithful or something to that effect. And more times than not now, I, I find out there's some kind of medical, physical or, or mental health issue, sometimes all the above. Uh, you know, that's going on in a person's life. And now because 
of this ministry in Broken and Mended, I also really helps me in my my pastoral duties too, because I, uh, you know, I really I really get to find out what's going on in a lot of people's lives, and there are a lot of hurting people out out there in a church of our size. You know, we, we're about 175 or so, um, and I, I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but it's it's easily close to that one in five, hmm. uh, you know, number for people that just have an ongoing battle. Well, and it's interesting that, um, as you said, you have a particular diagnosis. There are numerous conditions that ha- have chronic pain as a, as a primary uh, symptom. And yet, uh, I would imagine there are a number of people that have that, but there isn't a diagnosis. In other words, the medical uh, establishment cannot label it, cannot say you have thus and so, and yet they're still debilitated in some way. Yes, and that's very frustrating for people that are not able to get a, a diagnosis. I, I think, again, because it's harder, maybe well, it's harder for themselves, but it's harder to explain to others what's going on. If you can't say, I can go up to someone and they well, what do you have? I say ankylosing spondylitis. And that's, I mean, they may not know what that is. They probably don't, but, you know, it's got a term and we I can give them some of the basic symptoms of that. And I, I think others that don't get a diagnosis, that's frustrating for a lot of reasons. It, it, it frustrates them and their medical providers. Uh, and it's just the nature of some of these autoimmune diseases, too, that are, are hard to defined. They don't always fit exactly uh, a particular definition. And so sometimes you think, well, it looks like I have this, they get further down the road and a different doctor comes in or maybe the same doctor and says, well, now that I think about it, you know, maybe you you have something else. And yeah, it's that's a frustrating situation to be in. And it is a, a high occurrence in this particular community we're talking about. Well, tell us how your ministry, the Broken, broken and Mended, uh, ministers to those uh, who have this chronic pain, chronic illness, and uh, what happens in the support group, how your curriculum helps, if you could kind of tie it together for us. Yeah, I'd be glad to try to do that. You know, I think our basic idea is that, well, our, our kind of our tagline or our, our mission is connecting hurting people to Jesus and each other. And so we know that when people become isolated from their faith communities for you know health reasons that over time uh, they may feel like they lose their their purpose uh, in in their walk with Jesus and, and we're here to tell them that they have it and, and I think also to tell them that they're not alone so really those two things and maybe the first one is better the second one I said is probably what I would say first you're not alone and then you know that that you can still find purpose in this this journey with chronic pain and chronic illness that in fact that God can do something in your life in a different way, in a new way than he would have done in your life without the chronic illness or chronic pain. And that's different than me telling them that God caused you to have this. Uh, you know, I don't, that's that's above all of our pay grades, in my opinion. You know, that's not something that we really know or can, can comprehend. But I do believe we can find purpose in the midst of it. And so the curriculum that we do is really geared toward that. It's We talk about multiple different categ- uh, general categories, and then we'll have a specific topic that fits under that. But for example, some weeks we focus on lament. We we just focus on the idea that this is a this is terrible, and you are going to cry out to God because He's the one we cry out to when we're hurting. But other times we might focus on spiritual formation, you know, and discipleship because uh, God's not through with us just because we're hurting. And in fact, it's in our weakness that His strength is is shown to be perfect, as I, I think He tells Paul. Um, and and so it'll vary. And then sometimes it'll be maybe a special topic like finances and chronic pain or something like that. But all of it is a goal of building community and continuing to follow Jesus. And, you know, and so the curriculum is along those lines. We've got five or six of those categories. And then uh, we have the podcast. It's called 
uh, it's called in the seams and then we uh, you know have a blog and so we're trying to also create and generate resources uh, for people to access even if they're not involved in a support group because not everyone wants to be involved in a support group and i understand that. i wish more people would give it a try i think it will help them mm -hmm. and and i especially you know want to say that to to men who seem to be more reluctant than women and i think you know men tend to be silent sufferers a lot and i um and so i feel i have a particular role in that as a man who struggles with this who has talked about it to to let people know that that's good and that's healthy and we're, we're still giving glory to god in doing that uh, and so, uh, but anyway, we're building those resources and we're doing some collaboration too with other chronic illness ministries. Uh, I spoke at a conference recently that was hosted by a different ministry. And, and, and so that to me is something we have to do. We have to work together and, and we're going to keep building on that throughout the years. Well, I'm wondering if there's a scripture that's especially, or a passage that's especially meaningful and encouraging to you. You just referenced, uh, I think second Corinthians chapter 12, the apostle Paul and, and his discussion <laughs> of his thorn in the flesh, but that's right. Yeah, and that's a big one. That's that's because it talks about you know the strength and weakness there. That's the my grace is sufficient for you passage as well. Uh, another passage for me that's been really important is Romans five one through five. You know, and and I ought to be able to quote the whole whole, whole thing there, but I, I can't. But I but I can tell you that what sticks out to me in that is that Paul talks about glorying in our sufferings. You know, he says not only that, but we also glory in our sufferings. And then he goes on to say why it wasn't just because it's a badge of honor or something. It's because of what it leads to that suffering leads to endurance uh, that you're able to endure something which he said then leads to character uh, so the formation of spiritual character is happening when we are suffering and then he goes on to say that leads to hope uh, you know and and so you might think well you got to start with hope well we kind of start in in with hope our hope grows i think as we as we walk through that pro that process and all of this as that same passage tells us is with the gift of the holy spirit in our lives that enables this to take place uh, in other words it's there's not something we're producing ourselves the spirit is producing these things in us as we walk with jesus in our suffering and so it, the bible is, is very clear that good can can come in suffering not that suffering is good but that good can come in it and so romans 5 1 through 5 is one i often think about because i don't want my suffering and pain to be wasted i want it to count for something and i feel like i believe that god is the one who makes it count it might have been a in a article that you wrote or just something on your site or on your blog, but one of the participants in, uh, in, in your meeting said something like, this chronic pain has brought unexpected blessings, not what you would, how you would normally describe something like that that is uh, sort of dogging you day after day. Um, what would be such an unexpected blessing in the midst of uh, at such a difficult circumstance? Yeah, and I think everyone who goes through it will have some of their their own ex individual experiences with that you know i but i think a couple big things that come to mind is it's an opportunity to rely on god uh, to to depend on him in a way that we haven't before uh it's an opportunity to be reminded that we're not in control mm. and you know and that we need his strength it's stuff that's all true even before chronic illness but it becomes a a, a very poignant reminder of that reality and and i think there that's certainly a spiritual blessing i even think i think about this a lot when i'm hurting you know it reminds me that i'm dying and that sounds like a strange thing to, to be glad about i'm not glad that i'm dying but i know that it reminds me of my mortality hmm. again that's true for healthy people too 
but I think about it a little bit more because my body reminds me of it in, in a lot of different ways. And so it, it keeps me focused on spiritual things. It keeps me focused on the hope of the resurrection. And, and so I think that can be a really good thing too. And one other just very practical thing that and this whole ministry is really born out of is just um, the idea of empathy uh, for others and, and their sufferings. And I'm sure I tried to be empathetic before this, but I have grown in my empathy greatly for people's suffering and also for people's uh, value in being made in the image of God. Something I've always believed, but yet this has reminded me that people should not be cast aside. The church should not forget people that are hurting. We need to make that effort to keep them connected, not only for their sake, but for the church's sake. And then ultimately, of course, for for the name of Christ. I'm wondering, how do you recommend believers, uh, fellow believers in church or, 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 or just friends, uh, whatever the case is, that know someone that has this kind of thing? How can we be helpful? And I'm thinking that there are a lot of well-meaning Christians that may, and I'm wondering, you, you've probably had many experiences with this, maybe uh, offering uh, various you know, natural remedies, or if, did you try this, did you try that? What do you suggest that we, we can do to, um, to kind of come alongside of somebody and, and encourage them? You know, to start off with not what or what not to do is certainly they're not probably le- looking for your medical advice or your natural remedies. And uh, many of those things can be well-meaning, and but, but it, it comes across as condescending uh, and as you haven't really cared enough to go and research options. And, and then, of course, with your medical professionals and all that, uh, we, we know how to, just like everyone else, to, to find information when we want to try something different and, you know, and that's not to say there can't ever be a conversation where that could come up but i'm but the unsolicited advice is generally not helpful and and tends to be uh even somewhat insulting in Mm. some ways um you know uh but i think the biggest thing to do is to uh, to be a friend and and keep caring and first of all by listening and believing what 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 they say believe it or it's strange but a lot of times people with chronic illness do not feel like they've been believed by sometimes even close loved ones and you know i i know of a situation where a young man who's basically bedridden is he's called lazy by his father-in-law all the time you know and that's obviously not going to be the spirit of most christians i don't think and but the but the idea is to hear them and listen to them uh, and maybe take a little initiative you know instead of just always saying you know, if there's anything I can do, let me know. Well, most people don't want to do that. That just like everyone feels a little embarrassed to ask for help, but maybe just to take some initiative to, if they drink coffee, to take a cup of coffee by one day and sit and talk with them or whatever it is that, you know, they might like or enjoy to spend time with them. Uh, certainly cards matter and that kind of thing, but a, but a personal visit and a phone call where you give them permission to really tell you how they're doing, not the, so how are you at church greetings and that kind of thing but where you really say so tell me how how's this going what and what can i be praying for ask them how you can pray for them and they're going to they're going to open up and let you know what's really bothering them what they're really going through they they, more than anything they just need a good friend that's going to stick with them uh and they need to know a church uh, is going to to stick with them and continue to look for how jesus is working in their life as well well uh, david uh, heflin my guest today on his people he's the founder and president of broken and mended. He's also preaching minister at the Woodward Church of Christ in Woodward, Oklahoma. David, if people want to get involved, if they want to participate, if they want to join, uh, I I know you have uh, online uh, meetings, you have a blog, you have a Facebook group, but also people have the opportunity to start local groups, local expressions. If you could talk about all of that and how people can kind of get plugged in. 
Yeah, most of that can be found at brokenandmended.org. And, you know, yes, I, the, really the goal of what we, the, the heart or the meat of what we're wanting to do is, is start those local support groups in communities and churches uh, around the world, really. And we have a lot of groups that have started in Kenya already and, you know, got a few here in the States. But uh, we're really looking for more people to see that this is an avenue, a ministry that they can be involved in. Uh, a well, a well-meaning, healthy friend can be the impetus for that. Uh, but certainly, someone who's dealt with chronic illness, but maybe has a, enough health to at least uh, be able to uh, host a support group once a month, and that can be all online. Your entire group can be online, even if it is local, uh, or it can be a hybrid. Most, a lot of our groups are hybrids. You know, they, mm-hmm. you know, they're online or in person. The original Woodward group is is that way and has been since the beginning, and and so people can. You know, get that information there, how to support, get start a support group. There's a, a brief up application and statement of faith they have to agree to. But other than that, you know, we uh, it's usually a pr- pretty quick approval process and I'll get in contact with them uh, when I see their application and, and try to help them get started. And uh, and as far as wanting to get in touch with the ministry in general, uh, people can uh, get on uh, on the on the website as well and fill out the contact form. That does come to me at this point, and so I'm the one that sees them and can respond to them and get them connected to the Facebook group uh, or or any of the other options. So, David, that is brokenandmended.org. That's right. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, David Heflin, founder of the ministry Broken and Mended. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Jenny Lynn DeClerc on the remarkable faith and lives of five Puritan women from history like Anne Bradstreet. I would say definitely the best known, yeah. So people probably know she immigrated to New England as a newlywed with her husband and parents. She set up a house there and started a family in this difficult place. And she became the first person, male or female, to publish a book of poetry in America. That's tomorrow at the same time right here on His People. Thanks for listening.